Hello, welcome to this week's Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Join me on the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in the Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford. Yeah, certainly, Rob. Yeah, looking forward to the show. There's a, there's a lot happened, hasn't there, for uh, our local teams, particularly our football team and rugby league team. Some exciting uh, matches over the weekend, and uh, also some some sport around the world we've got to talk about as well, haven't we? So uh, from from people in this country, so it's going to be an exciting show. Yeah. So what we'll do? We're going to start off with a tennis par. What what an amazing uh, event uh, in the US Open this weekend. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't really know a lot about tennis, but my friend was telling me about this the other day, saying that Emma had won the uh, won the semi final. She was appearing in the final. It was a fairy tale in New York over the weekend, and you can uh, can you tell us how it all unfolded, Rob? Yeah, Emma Raducanu, uh, U.S. Open champion, eighteen years of age, Paul. Great Britain waited forty four years. Uh, for a winner, uh, 1977, the last one, Virginia Wade, uh, you know, what a great performance it was uh, from Emery. She didn't drop a set throughout. She won the final against Leila Fernandez, 6-4-6-3, which is is good in in tennis. Uh, First qualifier to win a Grand Slam as well, which is amazing. Obviously, 9 million people watched it on Channel 4, Paul. And, uh, you know, the nation have got engulfed, haven't they, this week by, you know, her heroics. And uh, I think it's great for for the sport. I think it's great for women's uh, women's sport. uh, And it's a a magical time uh, for tennis. Well, yeah, it is great for the sport. I mean, like I said, I'm not really a tennis sort of buff, but neither is my friend, Brian. And we were chatting about this in the gym the other day. He said, oh, do you, have, you, have you seen the tennis? And he was explaining it to me. And it actually came up on the news and we were watching it there and telling me all about it. And then so I, I decided to watch a bit of the final myself. So it got me into it. And uh, and yeah, I believe she was a wild card going into it, about 300 odd in the world or something like that. Um, and to, to get to the, even to get to the final, I think to... A magnificent achievement, but then to show that sort of coolness, you know, with a young head on your shoulders, she's probably not the most experienced at tournaments like that, being a wild card. And to get to the final and be that cool under pressure, and then to to come up and deliver, I think it's an absolutely outstanding achievement. And, you know, listening to her interview as well, she's very grounded about it, and, and saying she was hungry for more as well. So she doesn't want to make that a one-off now. She wants to uh, to progress in the sport. And at 18 there, she's obviously very, very talented and, and has got a great future in front of her. And it's fantastic for the country and fantastic for the sport in this country as well. And hopefully people will be looking at that and want to take up her tennis. You know, she's, she's a real hero there. It's, it really is a great news story. Yeah, youngest women winner since 2004, um, Paul. And she's won £1.8 million. Uh, so you're 18, Paul. You've got £1.8 in in the bank, uh, you know, that's a, that's a dream, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, you're set for life there now. You don't have to worry about, you know, bills and things like that. But got to invest that money wisely now and, and, and sort of progress with your career because, yeah, money's great. But, I mean, I'm sure trophies and memories and winning titles and having your name etched in history, you know, you can't buy that with any sort of money. So um, I'm sure she wants to, to, to do that now and, you know, go on and, and play at Wimbledon and, and tournaments like that, you know, next year will, will be great for her in front of a British crowd as well. She'll receive a hero's welcome. So, yeah, I'm sure she's she's so excited about the future. I bet she's on cloud now, now absolutely buzzing over it. So congratulations to her. It's a, it's a great story and I'm sure a great future is going to unfold in front of our eyes. 
Yeah, she, she grew as the, as the game went on, Paul. And uh, that's what you want, I suppose, champions. When the pressure comes on, uh, you know, they go to a different level. And that's why uh, she won it, because obviously she must have, she's got that in her. People were talking about her mental strength. She dropped out of Wimbledon earlier in the year. And were, this question mark was over her mental strength. But, you know, she's come back and won, a, won an Open, which is, you know, ideal uh, way to da- put the doubters down, really. If you can go and win one of the top prizes in tennis, uh, then obviously, you know, you're going in the right direction. Uh, there was a bit of a blood break halfway through uh, the second set. Uh, she scratched her knee while she was trying to slide to do a shot. So at that point, uh, she was on the rails, I think, at that point. But I think that time where they had to band her up, managed, she managed to sort of get her, back, get her head back in the game a bit uh, and weathered, you know, the, the storm and they come away with a win. I know, obviously, you know, the, these things, you, you can't plan them. But I think, when you when you look back, there's always big moments in in games in any sport that that turns it. And at that point, uh, Leila Fernandez was coming back into it, and I think she just needed that you know a little bit of a break uh, to, to sort her head out uh, and be able to to get back to to winning ways. And I think that was a, a big moment in the game. Yeah, you're right. Every sport, you know, whether it be an individual sport or a team sport, you can look back at, at finals and, and, and big matches, big competitions, and there's always there always seems to be a turning point in them, and it's how you, you sort of keep your head in it. So tennis is probably difficult as well. It's it's not a team sport, is it? So you're relying on your own sort of physical and mental strength to, to get you through. So obviously you've got your coach sort of G and you're up and helping you, but once you go out onto that court, you're on your own, you know, there, aren't you? And, uh, you know, you, you, the, the amount of pressure she must have been in, and like I said, before, you've probably never ever been in that sort of, well she hasn't been in that situation before because she's never been in a big final like that before so to, to be able to deliver and perform at such a young age, I think that just shows you she's a special character and a, and a special player with, a, like I said before, a massive future, massive future in the sport and no, it's it's a great news story for, for, for Britain and our country we, know we, we don't often seem to win titles and things like that, oh, so we have done in the last few years, we've, we've come up with some good results haven't we, in all sports, but in tennis, that's I think that's a, it's a great result for us, and uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a big new story. Yeah, and this obviously will propel her into the into the, uh, the upper epilogue, epilogue, upper table of the women's game, likes of Ash, Ashabati, uh, Sophia Kenin, you know, players like that, you know, they'll be looking over the shoulder uh, now, Emma Raducanu who's coming up. Because obviously, if you go to the US and, and win it, you're going to go over to other and great, bigger and better things. So they'll be looking and seeing what the next generation uh, uh, are going to be doing. And hopefully, uh, Emma can uh, continue this good form and, uh, you know, win another major, maybe. Yes, well, the, the the pressure, like you said there about the pressure, pressure will probably increase on her now because now she'll become, uh, you know, a household name. Most people are going to remember her on, on both sides of the, of the Atlantic. You know, the Americans, you know, love the tennis as well. And she's going to be um, a big name there now and pressure will be on other matches. But I think you, you grow, don't you, in, in stature and you get to cope with that pressure and it, it makes you a better player as you go forward. So, um Oh, she's had a great start to her career there, and uh, you know I'm sure she's going to have fantastic things to come in the future. And uh, well, like I say, people are going to be wary of her now, and they're going to be raising their game, aren't they? Because perhaps she won't be the wild card at the next tournament. She might be what one of the fancied ones or one of the seeds or, uh, or whatever they call it. So, so yeah, I'm sure she's going to do really well. Though she, you can tell the talents there and the hungers there and the desires there. Just listening to her interview, she wasn't getting carried away. She's staying really grounded and wants to do more, which is a good thing. Yeah, and I think also. Paul, obviously, because it's the last major of the uh, of the year. Uh, the next one's Australia in January, so it gives her time to process what she's done. What what you 
the, the problem and the danger would be you're hopping into the next tournament and you don't know how much this has taken out of your ball physically and mentally. Don't forget, she's not dropped a set. She's gone straight through, battered everybody, um, and she probably needs to process this now uh, to be, become a better player. What she doesn't want is to become a flash-in-a-pan kind of player that you know wins one tournament, never seen again. So I think it's important, obviously, she's able to focus on her, on her tennis, focus on her life, and not get kind of whipped up into this media frenzy which is you know which is going we can all see it in the papers and, and the tv everyone wants a piece of her so you're kind of hoping that you know her management team her agents her mum and dad you know people around her protect her from that because obviously that this is a key moment i think in her career yeah it comes with the territory in sport though rob doesn't it? and i think in in life in general once you're, you're into the, to the public eye people do want a piece of you don't they want a piece of the action so yeah it's important that a coach i suppose it keeps her feet on the ground, and I'm sure they will do. Won't they? They'll be saying to her now, you, you know, you've got a big break now, like you said, till, till January. So spend some time with your family, process it, and uh, we'll keep doing your training, keep working hard, and then, and then come back stronger in, in January for the Australian Open. So uh, I'm sure they'll, they're they not daft, are they? Those people who are going to be behind her, they'll be looking after her, and I'm sure she'll go on to better things. Yeah, so that's all the tennis chat on the Sports Zone this week, and we're going to be talking ice hockey now, Paul. Yeah, we certainly are, Rob. I know it's a sport that's uh, that's close to your heart, Rob. And uh, yeah. Manchester Storm are uh, about to start their pre-season this week. Can you tell us what's been happening? Yeah, two uh, pre-season games coming up for the Manchester Storm. They play Cardiff Devils on the 19th of September and Coventry Blaze on the 22nd of September, Paul. Opportunity for Ryan uh, Finity's men uh, to, to play a bit of hockey, uh, get to know each other a little bit. Because obviously in the EIHL, it's... it's important if you're wanting to start off well you need to know what to do and you need to know what your other players can do and able to sort of build partnerships and, and get the team sort of rolling in the right direction Ryan Infinity will want to use these two games on the ice to see about his squad see who's who's ready who might need a few more weeks of of, of training and and fitness to, to reach optimum level so I think it's really important like in any sport Paul pre-season is very very important and it's true in ice hockey as well so I'm sure Ryan Finnett will be you know looking at his players now talking to him saying look let's uh, let's start off well uh, and who knows what might happen in the in the weeks and months to come yeah like you said pre-season whether it be football rugby league cricket ice hockey any sort of team sport like that you, you're looking at you know getting your combinations right and tweaking things and sort of fine-tuning it ready for the the battle of what's a tough season particularly in ice hockey you know very very physical sport and a sport where fixtures come thick and fast don't they most weekends two games are played as well so you're backing up and uh, yeah Ryan Finney has got to got to make sure his players are switched on you've got new players coming in as well buying into a new squad they'll be linking up partnerships and things like that so you've got to get you know get things right in the pre-season, that's the time where you work on things, isn't it? And make sure you're ready for that that day one when it all kicks off. So, uh, so yeah, they've got an important uh, couple of weeks coming up now. Yeah, I think it's massively important, Paul. Uh, you know, we talk about fitness and, you know, these guys, like you said, they play two games a week and they travel the le the length of the country as well uh, to do it. And I suppose it's about managing themselves physically and mentally. And it's, it's Ryan Finnis's job to get the best out of his players every single week. It is going to be a tough task. Obviously, Manchester Storm are amongst the, the favourites to, to win this competition. I have no doubt in my mind. I look down that squad wrote that squad rotor and and I think to myself this team if it clicks will be really really good so you're just hoping obviously like you say we, we play well uh, Ryan Finney manages to you know mould this squad into a 
possible playoff winning one. And we'll be celebrating it all down at the Storm Shelter uh, in the next few months. Certainly will, Rob. Who are the players we, we should be looking out for this season in the in the Manchester Storm uh, starting lineup? Well, Manchester Storm, like I said, there's there's lots of good players in 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 this squad. Um, you have got Dallas Earhart, who is a, a great uh, sort of defender, and uh, he's the captain as well, Paul. Which is important, obviously. You know, you talk about uh, you know leaders uh, in in the team, and he is the like the the John Terry. Of, of Manchester Storm. He, he putting his body on the line week in, week out, defending, you know, attacking as well. He scores he scores some good goals as well. And he's the inspiration uh in, in this in this team. Uh, you've got Matt Ginn, who's the goalkeeper. Um, you know, he's a bit of a shot stopper. He he knows obviously all good teams that win championships have a great have a great goaler and he is one of them. Um you got Jared Van Wormer Spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's a new forward brought in this season by Manchester Storm. He scored 20 goals uh, in the last three seasons while he was playing in, I think it was Canada. So if you're scoring 20 goals in, in that sort of period of time consistently, shows that he's a, he's going to be a top, top player for Manchester Storm. So I'm sure the Storm uh, fans will be looking to him uh, to, to score the goals. Tyson Fawcett, another good player, another forward. He's He'll be there and thereabouts, uh, topping in the goals for Manchester Storm. But the big one for the Manchester Storm fans, Frankie Melton, crowd favourite, you know, classy, great skill. Very quick along the ice, and I'm sure you know he'll be dazzling the storm, uh, faithful uh, week in, week out. Sounds super exciting, Rob. I know you're going to be down there at the storm shelter. You're looking forward to it all kicking off. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, you know, I'm new to this ice hockey. Um, obviously, rugby league and football were my two big sports. But over the last couple of years, I've got myself down to the Storm Shelter and, and I've kind of fell in love with the sport. It's a bit like rugby on ice, Paul. You know, all these athletes. Ah, specimens. They're, they're, they're physical. There's there's aggression on the ice, uh, but also they're able to glide as well. And there's technical stuff as well with you know rules and and you know different things that they have to do on the ice. And you know it's a mixture of 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 that and sort of entertainment, end to end stuff. Don't forget, it's so quick. They go from one end of the ice to the other uh, in a split second. So you can't take your eyes off it. So you're hoping, obviously, you know the people who are listening to us on the on the sports on the Salford City Radio and the people of Salford Manchester can get behind the Manchester Storm, the glory days of the Manchester Evening News Arena where they were getting 20,000 20, every week have gone. But you're hoping that obviously they, they can start well, keep winning, uh, they can get a big crowd down at the uh, the Storm Shop in Ottingham. Sounds super exciting, Rob. Looking forward to it all kicking off. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really good season, and hopefully, you know, we'll be talking about it in the sports zone. Uh, we'll hopefully get Ryan Infinity on and, and players and get their opinions and, on what's going on, and you'll be able to listen to it all on the sports zone on Salford City Radio over the weeks and months to come. Uh, so, what we'll do now, Paul, we're going to talk boxing. And we'll start uh, with David Hay. He fought uh, last, he fought on Saturday night. Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, he certainly did. It was his comeback fight in Florida against uh, his friend, actually, Joe, Joe Fournier. I think it was supposed to be like a, an, an exhibition bout this, but it was far from it, really. He outclassed Fournier to win his comeback fight, and uh, he looked pretty good as well. He looked in, in, I mean, he saw him at the way. He looked in absolutely tremendous shape, absolutely tremendous. Looks like a specimen, as you said before. He really was, and at the age of 40 now... People perhaps thinking he didn't have it in him. You know, his last two fights against Tony Bell, you ended in defeat as well. Unanimous knockouts. He was stopped uh, twice by uh, by Tony Bell. You so uh, so yeah, made it made a good comeback there. And 
is he going to carry on? You know, um, he went over the eight rounds there and unanimous point decision for him and a good performance. But is he going to carry on now and, and put himself back into the mix? I'm not too sure. He was, he, he's been calling out for a fight with Tyson Fury after winning his comeback. But all that's the excitement now. I mean, I think it's one of those for David Hayes. He got the, the bug back again because he was hampered by injury. You know, on those fights with Tony Bell, he was, his Achilles let him down and knees and legs and ankles and things like that. So, he did look in good shape, as I said before, and at the age of 40, he's not, not that too old. We were talking about Amanda Holyfield shortly, he's 58 and he got back in the ring again. So, uh, so David Hay, yeah, good performance and watch this space now to see whether he's going to carry on. But uh, sounds super exciting if he's going to come back and be challenging the likes of Tyson Fury. Where does he stand in in, in the in the greats of, of British boxing, uh, David? Hey, obviously you've got the likes of uh, Frank Bruno, uh, you've got the likes of Lennox Lewis, uh, Ricky Hatton. Uh, Anthony Carolla. Uh, I mean, where where does he stand in in the in the the royalty of British boxing? Oh, I think David David Hayes had a, had a tremendous career, hasn't he? You know, were, won world world titles, and and yeah, he'd be he'd be right up there. I mean, if you're looking like over his over the last few years, yeah, you just remember those defeats to to, to Tony Bellew, don't you? But you know, he'd done an awful lot before that. Had some tremendous wins, you know, over Derek Chisora, pushed Vladimir Klitschko all the way as well, didn't he? And uh, but you know he won the WBA title, won some some great fights there. You know, before he moved up to to heavyweight, that tremendous fight with Enzo Macronelli, that's probably a long while ago now. That was a good one. Remember him fighting Nikola Valuev? The the guy was about seven foot five or something, and he he, he beat him, didn't he, to win the to win the the, the, the WBA and then defended it twice. So uh, so he did tremendously well throughout his career, and yeah, he'll go down as a as a. A real good, uh, real good pro, David Hay, one that we remember. And you know, not everybody wins a world title, Rob. There's been some great boxers over the years who've who've really entertained us and gone to to, to wars with people and, and not come up with a world title. So it's very special to get that, especially the heavyweight title as well. So yeah, he'll go down as a, as a great. There's no doubt about that. But is he going to carry on now? I mean, I never thought I'd see David Hay again in a ring after those fights with Tony Bellew. I think it was May 2018, the uh, the second Bellew fight, and you know, it's a while ago. But he's he's come back there. All right, you can say he's off position wasn't you know world class operator but you can only beat who's in front of you he looked good he looked in good shape we know he's got the skills you, you never lose your skills it's your speed that goes I suppose isn't it so uh, so yeah I, I'd like to see him carry on I think it's exciting for the sport and we've got some great British boxers haven't we? particularly in the heavyweight division and if it adds another one to the mix um, you know it makes for good viewing so uh, we'll have to watch this space and see what his future plans are yeah uh, another great boxer Evander, Fol- Evander Holyfield Got back in the ring uh, this weekend. Uh, talk about his. Tell us about his fight. Yeah, he got back into the ring uh, against uh, Vita Belfort. You know, uh, this this fight was was took at, at short notice. I think it was two weeks notice he was given for this. He obviously keeps himself very fit around the whole of the field. He jumped in to replace uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I think he had, had COVID. Oscar De La Hoya. He's ten years older than uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Fifty eight. So fifty eight is pretty old to get into a ring. He's knocked down. I think he was knocked down twice in the in the, the first round and soundly beaten in round one. Um, he landed a good punch of his own, but uh, but no, it was well beaten and, and, and sort of looked his age, really. So I think it's difficult when you see a guy like I mean, he looks in tremendous shape for a 58-year-old, but, you know, didn't look like he had the, the same sort of faculties he had years ago. I mean, it's, it's difficult when you see somebody who's been such a great be beaten like that it's quite sad really so um, I mean at 58 you've got to be careful you've got to think about your body and things like that so I hope Evander Holyfield's okay I'm sure he is um, but no it was a difficult difficult one to watch that um, 
So, uh, so I, I don't know whether we'll see him in a ring again. I hope not. Now I hope he finishes now, and, and and that's the end of it. But two weeks' notice was not a lot of notice to take that fight, really. But uh, yeah, he, he didn't make really good viewing. It was quite uneasy viewing, I would say that one. So uh, the David A one was definitely a much more enjoyable one to watch. Yeah, we've obviously David Hay and Evander Holyfield both returned to the ring this week. Uh, what do you think about these veterans going round the going round again? As I said there. Um, the, the the David Hay fight, I think, yeah, I can I can see that. I, I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a, it's a good fight. But the Evander Holyfield one, I'm not too sure. I think there's a there's a there's a point in time in a boxer's career or in a human's sort of life where you're not really ready to or made to go back in the ring. You know, your health is important. Uh, and when you're 58 years of age, you, you're not the same as when you're 38. I mean, I, I'm 38 now, and, and I'm getting on a bit in sort of sporting terms. But 58, it's that's old. You, you're nearly a pensioner. So uh, I don't know. Is, is your body tough enough to take punches to the head and things like that? That sort of age. You know, we talk about illnesses and dementia in sportsmen and things like that. And I, I just, I always feel a bit uncomfortable when I see boxers making comebacks like that. And is it for the right reasons sometimes? I mean, you've had your career, you made the decision earlier in your career to hang your gloves up. You made that decision for a reason. So why all of a sudden, sort of 10, 20 years later, are you going back on that decision? So obviously every every circumstance is different, but I always feel a bit uneasy when, when I see things like that. I suppose with comebacks, Paul, it's, it's kind of a, an issue, isn't it? You know, some go well, some don't go so well. And and I suppose in boxing, um, has there been a success? Has there been like a you know person where you think, yeah, he's come back and made made a a fist of it? Uh, if you if you pardon the boxing pun. Um, let's have a think now. Not off the top of my head, I can't really think at the moment. You've asked well, I think I think like obviously we say Muhammad Ali. He came back then in yeah. kind of the seventies, um, and he, people say that he he wasn't the best. You know, he wasn't you know the best for it. Um, so you know, I, I think in obviously fighters like that, uh, you know, who have a sort of a, the the biggest profile in the world to, to go back again, um, and people sort of lose that kind of magical uh, vision of them. I suppose a bit like Evander Holyfield, like you said, you know, his return wasn't the best. People saw sort of a shadow of the his former self, which kind of upsets many fans because obviously people have this vision, don't they, of, of athletes that you know they always want to kind of keep. So. In any sport, if you see your hero come back one that one time, and you think, "Yeah, but he's not quick enough or anymore, or he's not strong enough anymore," it kind of make upsets you a little bit. Uh, but then you have to question why they're doing it, because obviously some of them do it for the love of the game, some of them because they need a bit of money in the tank. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, sort of what happens with uh, Evander. Yeah, I think the, the Muhammad Ali one that you used there, I think that's probably. A great example to use, Rob. You know, the, the career that Muhammad Ali had, 61 fights, wasn't it? You know, in a career that spanned over 20 years. Mm. And I think if you watch footage back of his fights, sort of, well, Leon Spinks in the late 70s, you know, had a, had a defeat and, and a victory against Spinks. And he came back in 1881 against Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbeck and was beaten soundly in, in both those fights. And I think if you watch interviews and things like that around the, the time, about 1980, 81, I mean, not you'd have to be an expert, but you can see things there where he doesn't look right to me. And and was it the right thing to do to 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 send him back in the ring? Was he not feeling it right there? There's interviews there, and he not slurring his words and that, but he doesn't look right to me. 
and and was that was that the beginning of the end? I mean, I thought Muhammad Ali, looking back, went on on too long, and a lot of people could say that to you because he took an awful lot of punishment in those those fights and in, in the latter end of his career. And you know, look how his health suffered. I mean, it's it's terrible what he went through there. So uh, so yeah, it's an unforgiving sport boxing. So if you are making comebacks, and that, it, 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 I don't think there's been many that have been successful. To be honest with you. Yeah, the, 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 obviously, there's not many. Eric, is it Morales? He came back. He was fighting in the sort of the early 2000s. He beat Manny Pacquiao. Uh, went out of boxing. Came back uh, towards 2010. Uh, he was one of them. Uh, Klitschko. He had a bit. Of, he was in and out as well. Uh, but like you said, I suppose with with boxing, it's kind of a physical sport. So uh, boxers need to get back to that uh, pinnacle fitness to compete, don't they? They certainly do. They certainly do, and, and no matter how fit you are as well, I think once you're older, you, you can be the fittest person in the world, but you, you, you're not the same. Your, your reactions aren't the same. Your, your, your speed's not the same. Your speed of thought's not the same. Your brain doesn't react as well. It's like when you're driving a car or something. Once you get a bit older, you, your braking time and things like that is not the same, is it? Because you, your brain isn't physically as young as it was when you were 18, do you know what I mean? So that, that, that applies in sport, doesn't it? So uh, I don't think you ever lose your, your sort of class and your, and your vision and that. I think it's just speed and things like that that goes. So but with boxing, as you said, it's not like football or things like that where you can sort of, well, the football, you can sit at the back, can't you, and spray the ball about, can't you, as you, as you get a bit older. But boxing, you're there in the, in the middle of it, you're taking the punishment. And it's, as I said before, a very, very unforgiving sport where, uh, you know, sometimes people can, can pay the ultimate price. Yeah, Mike Tyson, another one. Mike Tyson, fantastic in his earlier career. Career kind of went off the rails a bit, didn't it? Came back, wasn't the same kind of kind of fighter. I think that's the kind of uh, thing with what we we're talking about before. People have this iconic uh, sort of ver version in the head of Mike Tyson being a fantastic, powerful uh, boxer. Uh, but obviously, what he what he finished was uh, was a shadow of his former self. Yeah, I can remember as a kid watching Tyson when he fought Frank Bruno, and I was a big Frank Bruno fan at the time. And you absolutely feared for Frank when when he got in with Mike Tyson because at that pinnacle sort of time of his career, sort of late eighties, early nineties, Tyson was it was was the best, wasn't he? he? Was so powerful and. You know, he, he could knock a I mean, donkey out of like a, a cow out or an horse out. He used to hit that hard, didn't he? And the way he used to bob and weave and just just in front of you. And a lot of the times he was fighting blokes that were maybe a foot taller than him. But the power that he had and the movement and the speed and the, the sort of strength that he had, absolutely frightening, absolutely frightening. So, uh, so yeah, he, he has been uh, been a great fighter. But just going to say, Rob, there, there's some great fights coming up. Um, you know, in the next in the next few weeks, we've got the end of September. Anthony Joshua against Alexander Usyk. I know we spoke, spoke about this fight on the on the show a few times. Now that's going to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There's an awful lot of talk about that one. I know Usyk's been very very quiet. He's uh, he's been training uh, really hard for this one. You've not seen a lot of him to be honest, so we don't really know. He's stepping up to heavyweight. This is a real banana skin for Anthony Joshua. What do you make of this one? Yeah, Anthony Joshua. You know he's he's got his eyes fixed on on Tyson Fury, and he so you know he needs to remain focused on it uh, on what's in front of him. If obviously he takes his his eyes off the prize, as it were, he might get found out, and it's it's going to be interesting uh, to to see. Obviously, people like me who who isn't a boxing buff, we want to see the top 
uh, fighters fight each other. Uh, the likes of like Ali and George Foreman, you know, Tyson Fury, you know, and, and Anthony Joshua. It's in that same kind of mold, isn't it? So uh, if he can, if he manages to to, to sort of see that through, uh, and them two can get together, Paul, then obviously we can we can uh, get a, a fantasy fight out of it, can't we? We certainly can, yeah. It's it's one we want to see that, isn't it? So I mean, I know Deontay Wilder's uh, still in the mix as well. He's going to have a lot to say about that. So yeah, there's some cracking fights coming up in October. There's some big big fights at the uh, Wembley Arena. Going Chris Junior is going to be on there in, in October. Liam Taylor, local lad to me actually. Liam lives in Middleton. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fighting David Avenicia, who's a very tricky customer. We've also got some some fighting in Newcastle. That's in the middle of October. Huey Fury's in action against Christian Hammer as well. So, so a lot of fights to be uh, to picking the bones out of uh, as we progress. There's some big uh, British builds as well. There's a big derby in Liverpool between uh, Liam Smith and uh, Anthony Fowle. That's going to be a good one in a couple of weeks. So it, it really is uh, potting up now, as it normally does every year. You know, come sort of autumn, winter time. There's some cracking fight nights, and uh, yeah, we'll be chatting all about them on the sports zone. Yeah, we're going to be talking about on the sports zone. Uh, you and James and me chipping in, trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You've done all right tonight, Rob. You've done all right. Yeah, so uh, that's all the boxing chat uh, on the Sports Zone. We're going to be talking football now, uh, Paul. We'll start with Man United. Uh, they were victorious. The return of Ronaldo. Uh, they beat Newcastle 4-1. Uh, Ronaldo scored twice. Uh, great performance by him. Teams on fire. The crowd was up. Uh, well, you know what a great day for Ole. Yes, yeah, I thought it was. It was a tremendous day for the club and. It's been mixed reviews, hasn't it, with Ronaldo? I know the Manchester United supporters are absolutely over the moon. Other supporters seem to be saying, oh, it's, it's a bad bit of business. I think it's a fantastic bit of business from Manchester United. You've only got to look at the at the shape of the man, the fitness of the man. He doesn't look 36. I mean, I'm 38, as I said before, and you know, I wish I had that physique You know, now that he's got. He doesn't look any different to what he did the last time he played for United. So, uh, yeah, the, the fitness of the man and... You know, he could have a big say in the way that title goes this year. He could be the missing piece that Manchester United need. I think he's he's given the team a massive lift. He's given the supporters a massive lift. And not only that, off the field as well. You know, you think about the amount of money that Manchester United are going to make from Ronaldo and the shirt sales and things like that. So it's a real good news story at the moment. It's given the club a massive lift. Everybody's buzzing. And, and that's what it takes sometimes to to get things right. You know, so everyone's smiling, confidence is up and, you know, they, they absolutely wallop Newcastle. I mean, I know Newcastle's got a pretty poor record at Old Trafford, but you know, it, was a, it was a good win, a 4-1 victory and, uh, and yeah, everything seemed to go right. Everybody was smiling and it was a, a good day all round at Old Trafford. question is, for me, is how far can Ronaldo carry this Man United side? You know, like you said, he is, you know, he doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look 36. He's playing out of his skin. Um, but this Man United side isn't a peak uh, 2018, which he which he was part of. Uh, there is plenty of improvement to be made, and obviously looking around that team, there might not might be a few who aren't at the level they need to be if they are going to be to contending for European Cups or for Premier League titles. Oh, but does that not matter? Obviously, because Cristiano Ronaldo bumps United up three and four levels, so you can carry a Fred because you've got Ronaldo. It's going to be interesting to see, Rob. It's going to be interesting to find out. It's a million-dollar question. I mean, as I said before, I'm no expert on football, but I, I can just compare it to maybe Salford a few years ago in the Rugby League when, when Jackson Hastings came over and his mm. sort of effect gave other players that extra bit that they needed and lifted their game as well. And, you know, that made players who probably weren't 
sort of superstars think, well, I'm playing with this superstar. I'm going to raise my game and to give them confidence and belief to to think they were better than what they were and, and made them play better and lifted everybody's performance. And look how close we came to winning a league title. So, yeah. if and, and Manchester United have probably got a bit more in the tank than what what Salford have, you know. So, um, you know, regarding money and things like that. So, so yeah, I don't see why not. You know, you look at the start of the season. You know, Tottenham were beating yesterday comfortably. They don't look all that at the moment. Manchester City, decent start to the season, but Manchester United have made a good start, you know, a good solid start and that's a good win that against Newcastle and you no know, time will tell. It's all about getting on the run now, isn't it? And as they as they go on and build confidence, I, I think they can have a real good shot at that now. Confidence is a massive thing in sport, Rob. You know, I always say that to you all the time and they seem to have that in bucket loads at the moment. So, uh, so no, they could be dangerous. could be really dangerous. You thought we were going to do a bingo then? Where, where does confidence, <laughs> no, where does no, confidence no, come no. from? Where Save does it go? For later. Uh, I'll get the, the bingo marker out. <laughs> no, I'll save that one for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right, you're right, Paul. It is. It is that obviously, you know, people have been building up this Ronaldo return, haven't they, uh, through the week. He said he was nervous going into this contest. And you can you understand why, because obviously his face was everywhere in the newspapers, uh, on the TV, they were talking about on the radio. So for him to be the centre of attention, all eyes on him, and then him to score two good goals as well, going to give him massive confidence going forward. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. He'd have wanted to, to, to perform well yesterday, wouldn't he? And, you know, he's an experienced guy. Look how many games he's played. Look how many goals he's scored. His goal record's absolutely phenomenal, whether that be, you know, domestic level or, or international level. So, yeah, I, I dare say he did have a bit of um, pressure on him yesterday. But, you know, if if he was feeling nervous, he didn't show it because he come out and put in a, a wonderful performance, didn't he? So, uh, so yeah, and I think he's only, he's only going to get better as the season goes on. I mean, he's slotted straight into a side there where you've not really played with any of those players before. You don't really know all his all his sort of systems and things like that. But a quality player will slot in and they'll adapt. And I think that's what he did on Saturday. He adapted to the situation. And uh, yeah, I think he's a real danger man now. And, and other sides are going to be looking at that thinking, blimey, I wish we'd have signed him. I wish we'd have gone for him. So I know Manchester City was sniffing around, but I couldn't see that coming. I think there was only one place he was going to go to. And I've heard quite a few City supporters say, well, we didn't want him anyway. But I think if you asked them in the cold light of day, would you have took him? I think they would have done. I think they'd be, be fibbing to you if they if they didn't. Yeah, they play uh, young boys away in the Champions League on Tuesday night, and then they come back to the Premier League action uh, against West Ham on Sunday. Um, two tough games for Man United. Obviously, young boys in the European Cup. Uh, they've got to be focused on that because um, obviously there's no mugs in this uh, Champions League anymore. No, there's not. No, that'll be a tough, tough game. You know, the, the the Champions League is tough, no matter who you play. And then you're backing that up at the weekend against West Ham, who've made a made a pretty solid start to the season themselves. I've seen a bit of them. They look quite an impressive side, particularly at home as well. They're tough to beat. So, you know, David Moyes done a good job there, hasn't he, with West Ham United? So uh, they did, they did pretty well last season, didn't they? Finishing quite up the table as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's going to be another tough fixture for them. It will, and I think the problem will start if they progress in the European Cup, Paul. It's it's keeping the quality on the field in both in all competitions. Obviously Man City, which we'll come on to in a moment, uh, they were talking about quadruple at one point last year, but it all kind of slipped away as the season went on. Uh, but I'm sure they'll you know managers like uh you know Ole and, and and Jurgen Klopp uh, and Pep Guardiola, they'll have been looking at that and thinking, how can we uh, sort of fix the problems that we had last season and compete on every level 
and every competition. Yeah, it's difficult. It really is difficult. I mean, you need a big squad, don't you, for the kickoff? And I know a lot of these, you know, top sides in the Premier League have got huge squads, haven't they? But even with the, with those squads, it's difficult. You know, when you're playing in all these competitions, particularly the Champions League, you play an awful lot of games in that now, don't you? So, um, and the Premier League's cut through as well. That that's tough, isn't it? So it's about managing that. And I think it's when you're setting targets like that, and saying, "Oh yeah, we're going for a quadruple," you're putting an awful lot of pressure on yourself. It's an old cliche, and I say it to you in rugby all the time. You've just got to take each game as it comes, haven't you? And you know, and, and get on that winning run, build confidence, and, and just see where it takes you. But it's difficult when you're setting your standards that high. I know Manchester City do it, don't they, under Pep and. No, United will be doing the same thing as well. There's a lot of expectation there, but it's a, it's a big ask to win four trophies. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Let's talk about sort of Man City now. Uh, they were away at Leicester, 1-1-0. Uh, difficult place to go, Leicester. Brendan Rodgers, uh, the coach down there, FA Cup winners. Uh, they've, they're kind of building a good thing down there at Leicester. So for Man City to, to go there uh, and get the win uh, is a good uh, result for Pep's men. Well, that's right, yeah. I mean, City lost the, the Community Shield, didn't they, in August to, to, to Leicester. And, you know, it looks a bit in and out to me. Started the Premiership with the defeat at Tottenham, didn't it? But since then, they've won two games 5 0, and then this uh, this game at, at Leicester 1 0. So they, they're looking pretty good now. City, they seem to have found the wavelength, don't they? And I think it was a solid display that against the Leicester side, who, who are very, very good at home. You know, they, they, they don't lose many there to the, the the King Power Stadium. Like you said, they, they've, they've punched really well over the last couple of seasons under Brendan Rodgers. He's done a tremendous job there and moved them on to the next level, really. So I think Pep will be really pleased with that. A clean sheet as well. Good, solid performance. And I fancied that as a, as a high-scoring draw that at the weekend. But when I saw City have won the game, I thought it's a good display from them, that, you know, keeping a clean sheet. And, you know, they'll be, they'll be pleased with that result. Yeah, the hundred million pound man Jack Grealish, um, he's pulling the strings in 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 that City team. Obviously, no uh, Harry Kane. He's decided to stay at Tottenham uh, this season. Uh, they've had nine different goal scorers, uh, City, uh, so far this season. It shows that obviously without the the central figure in that attack, it is better if you can share the goals. And Man City can because they've got some good players. In they've got Raheem Sterling, they've got De Bruyne, they've got Jesus. They've got players who can score goals, and they seem to be able to play in the system which Pep wants them to play. And that's why over the last sort of three years, five years, they have managed to be able to to dominate English football, really. That's right, yeah, they, they're strong all over the pitch, aren't they, Manchester City? You know, Phil Foden's been a, a revelation for them as well, like the, the youngster, the young Englishman. So, so yeah, they, they've got some tough games coming up in, in, in recent weeks, but as I've just said before, the, the two home games they played this season, they've won them both 5-0. So, you know, people are saying they're lacking a centre forward. If you can score 10 goals in two games, you're not doing too bad, are you? So I think every team wants to strengthen, don't they? In every transfer window, there'll be a player that you probably wanted that you, you didn't get because that's just the way things are these days. And I know Manchester City were after Harry Kane and, and one or two others. It didn't quite work out for them. Whether they'll get those signings when the next transfer window is open, I'm not too sure. But I think they've got enough in the squad at the moment to... To, to go well to up to Christmas and then uh, then we'll see where we're at. We've got some tough fixtures coming up. I think it's Leipzig they play, is it Wednesday night in the Champions League, then mm-hmm. Southampton at home on Saturday coming up and then it's Carabao Cup action the Tuesday after that. So fixtures coming thick and fast, but I'm confident Manchester City can go on a bit of a run now. They've looked they've looked very good in recent weeks. Yeah, but the 
the big thing for Man City, well, the owner of Man City is the European Cup, Paul. Not able to win it yet under Pep Guardiola. Domestically, they're you know, they are gonna be there and thereabouts, you know, with the likes of Liverpool, Man United, you know, Arsenal, maybe if they get managed to find a way back. Chelsea, definitely. Um, so when will the switch happen? Will they get distracted by the European Cup? Because obviously that's what the City fans, well, the City fans and the City hierarchy want. Uh, so you, will it happen again? Will they get distracted? That's a question. I think that's what they'll be gunning for this season, Rob. Um, I think they came mightily close to winning it last season. Perhaps they froze. I thought they froze a bit in that final last year. I expected them to to, to win that, and it didn't happen for them. They didn't score. They were beaten one nil, and you know I think they 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 probably over over egged it and over pressurised themselves really, didn't they? Maybe maybe hampered themselves and, and beat themselves. I'm not too sure, but you know they, they should have won that game. You know, speaking to some of my friends who went, they they firmly believed they were going to win that, and they let themselves down. So they'll be wanting to put that right this season. There's no doubt about that. They've got the tools to do it. Will they take their eyes off other tournaments? I'm not too sure. Pep doesn't seem to be that sort of coach. Does he? Will he rest players in the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup? I don't know. He doesn't seem to do. He seems to want to go for everything, doesn't he? But you're right. The, the supporters want that, don't they? The, the players want that. I'm sure Pep wants that Champions League as well. It's going to be interesting. Really, it's going to be an interesting season for Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, Salford City. Uh, they were They won... On Saturday, they beat Bradford City 1-0. Uh, Last-minute winner by Matthew Matthew Land uh, from a corner. Uh, great result for the Amis. Obviously, they've had a tough start uh, so far this season, but a win at home will build confidence. Yeah, it certainly will. They have had a tough start to the season, but uh, no, a good victory over a Bradford side. Was it Brad- Bradford, wasn't it? They beat yep. the weekend, and they're, they're doing pretty well. They're, they're high up in the table. So, yeah, they're, um, it's that point in the season where teams are jostling about now, aren't they? For uh, You're looking at, what, seven or eight games into the season, they're jostling in the table for, for positions. And, you know, it's still very close, isn't it? You're only a couple of points off the playoffs, so it's about putting a bit of a run together now. You know, they've, they've got a good result there, and they've got to build on that now, you know, coming forward. And as we say there, Salford, not like Manchester United, you know, that sort of size of squad, but they have to deal with a, a lot of games as well, don't they? When you think about the tournaments they play and, you know, the the um, Johnson's Peak Trophy, they play an awful lot of games in, don't they? And you've got the cup competitions as well. So it's about managing that squad and, uh, you know, manager Gary Bowie's got to manage his squad. And, and for me, the league for Salford is, is the big one, isn't it? They want to get into that championship. They've got that five-year plan that they kept talking about. And, uh, you know, they'll be looking for pushing this season. I mean, last season was a bit of a disappointing end to the season. Disappointing start to this season, but a good result of the weekend. And they've got to build on that now. Yeah, bit of a name check. Matthew Lund, not Matthew Land. Handwriting is not the greatest. But the best thing for Salford City in the last uh, six games, three clean sheets for Tom King, the goalkeeper. Like I said before, in the high, in the ice hockey, if your goalkeeper's good, uh, your team can can do well. And uh, Tom King, with them clean sheets, show he's going in the right direction. Yeah, he certainly is, certainly is. And uh, I must apologise as well. I said the Johnston's paint trophy, then it's the Papa John's trophy, the actually. So, uh, so yeah, sorry to Papa John's. make very, very nice pizzas. So. <laughs> but I, I believe Johnston's paint's pretty good as well. But, yeah, I shouldn't be, shouldn't be sponsored. You shouldn't be advertising Johnston's paint anymore. But, uh, other, but yeah, other pizzas yeah. and paints, uh, sources are available. Yeah, of course they are, of course they are. So, so yeah, they've got some tough fixtures coming up. Northampton Town and, and Tranmere the next couple of games, aren't they? So, uh, Tranmere Rovers. 
I think they did they come up from the the conference. They were in the conference weren't they, a couple of years ago, so that'll be a tough trip to uh, to the Wirral this uh, this weekend for for Salford City. But no, a good result against Bradford, and um, as you said before, there's some good players in that squad. You know, uh, Matty Lund. I'm sure he played at Rochdale. His, his name's very familiar. So, uh, so yeah, they've got some uh, some good players there, and they just need to find that consistency now and, uh, and build a build on it. Yeah, this is what Gary Bowie had to say uh, after the victory. Late winners are always thrilling, exciting, amazing, but it really felt like that was thoroughly deserved this afternoon, which just made it that little bit better. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's ne- there's never a bad time to score a goal, but it's obviously to score at the death like that. And, uh, you know, um, the manner in which we did was really rewarding to the players because they put a lot of effort in this week in, in terms of set plays. Um, and it would be, you know delighted for them the amount of work that they put in the environment and the atmosphere training all week and um, like I say we're delighted to to have got the three points no doubt delighted for Lundy to get his first goal as well you know he's probably had a big chance in every game so far and you know to get one over good moment for him definitely I think um, you know he's, he's disappointed that he's not scored already this season but the beauty of him is he's kept going and he's kept getting himself in there and, and, and you know, we've reaped rewards today with it. The clean sheets as well, you know, Tom, the heroics at the start of the first half, you know, how important was that? Uh, massive, uh, you know, he's obviously, rightly in my opinion, earned his uh, call-up because of his performances for us already. Um, from day one, from when he's first come in to where he is now, he's just kept on improving, working with Nashi and the other goalies. Uh, and he's produced a great save for us today. Back to back home wins, good feeling. Yes, oh, lovely. You know, to, you know, two clean sheets as well, like you say. And um, you know, the, the players have got the rewards for sticking at it. And um, you know, we've thrown ourselves in front of it and blocked shots. And you know, we're delighted with that. Is it? Good to see the performances that you know we've talked about for so long. That's what they can culminate and will culminate in, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like, like you say, it's the togetherness that the group have got. Um, you know, they're a tight-knit bunch. They're very open and honest with each other um, throughout the week um, and, and in their work as well. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, we've got only... Well, we've only had seven games, so we're just going to get stronger, in my opinion, with, with, with obviously getting to know each other even further. Obviously, forced into the early changes, Connor. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll know more. Um, obviously, Monday. Um, disappointed for him um, with his hamstring, but um, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's a sad one for him. But hopefully, uh, it's not as bad as first feared. He was sensible. He came off. He didn't uh, try and uh, push it any further, and then uh, you know, we'll go from there. So that was Gary Bowyer. Uh, talk about the victory uh, this week, Paul. And he's coming, obviously, last season. He's managed to sort of build his squad and his team, and he's taking uh, this team forward. We've talked about how much progress they've made. Um, and this could be the year they go up, obviously, carry on this uh, upward trajectory, and we could be looking, you know, first division uh, maybe next uh, next year. Yeah, well, I think in, in, in Gary Bowling, they've got. Um... A very very experienced coach there, haven't they? You know, he's he's done his apprenticeship in football. He was caretaker at Blackburn Rovers, one a decade or so ago, and got the job at Blackburn and worked as well. At, he was at Bradford, wasn't he, a couple of years ago? So he's he's been around the leagues now and and, and served his apprenticeship, as I said. And you know, he'll, he'll want what's right for the club. 
you know, he rubs his experience off on it. He's got a good backroom team there with him at Salford. And I think Salford have got to keep faith in him now. I know they've they've um, lost patience with a few of the managers over the last couple of seasons, but they've got to build something there now. You can't keep up to chopping and changing your managers and things like that. You've got to build your processes. And uh, I, I'm sure he's going to do the right thing there at Salford. And I, I'm expecting him to have a big season this year. You know, the bookies had him as one of the favourites for, uh, for League Two and uh, they need to live up to that expectation now. Yep, so let's talk uh, Rugby League now, Paul. And uh, so for Devils, they were defeated uh, away at Warrington in Golden Pot Extra Time. They lost 20 points to 19. Um, talk us through it. It was a fantastic game, Rob. It's probably one of the best games I've seen this season for excitement. Really was a thrilling match. And I said that in my report, you know, once Rugby League is played at that, that sort of level and that sort of excitement where it's tit for tat and there's points in it, it really is a spectacle. And there's not many sports can beat that. Um, just going back to the game itself, it was one of those. I mean, I thought we had a chance in that game. You know, I know people said Warrington rested a few players. They still had some fantastic players out there. When you look at the squad, you know, the, the three pivots, Blake Austin, George Williams and, uh, and Gareth Widdham. I mean, there's some money there in that back line. So Salford did tremendously well in the game. They worked their socks off. You know, got in front with, a, with Ken Seo, another brilliant drive from Ken Seo, set up by Tuilola here. Warrington came back into the game, then a bit of good fortune, I thought. A couple of the tries, you know, Morgan Esquire spilled the ball there and presented him a try on, on a plate that was six apiece. And then Sam luckily got penalised for a for a high tackle that never looked like a high tackle for me. It was a poor decision, I thought, that, or a very debatable one. Warrington moved the ball well. And uh, Josh Charlie scored. And then they went in front with it with another try and was at a ten point lead, but it was a frustrating first half or so because they put so much into that and, and, and with a better side for much of it, they really did play well and they would, they got a deserved try right on the break. Matty Ashton coughed the ball up and Ken Seo raced half the length of the pitch to make it 16-12 at half time. Salford deserved that. They didn't deserve to be 10 points behind at the break. Came out in the second half, had an awful lot of work to do at the start of the second half. Warrington had lots of possession, lots of penalties, lots of six to goals. The, the goal line was like the Alamo. They were battering away Warrington but Salford defended it really well, went down the other end Super offload from Sam Luckley. Chris Atkin turned the defence inside out. Great ball to uh, to Tuilalaria. He raced over. Crowd were on the feet behind the sticks. Pandemonium. And Salford went in front. And, and that's how it stayed then until, but I think it was six minutes from time. Danny Addy, absolute sort of brain explosion. Um, got himself sin binned. And Warrington got a penalty and, and, and kicked the goal and, and, and we're level. And I think if Danny Addy hadn't lost his head there, I think we'd have won that game 18-16. But we didn't. 18 apiece, and then we had the uh, had the more dram with, with the drop goal. So, uh, so yeah, Warrington went in front, 19-18. Then Salford kept it calm, didn't they, and dropped a goal. And I'll let you talk us through the extra time as well. 19 points apiece, and then it went to extra time, and it was absolutely thrilling. Yeah, Salford uh, kicked deep, ball bounced out of play. Salford got the ball back. We kind of tried to 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 get to the line, uh, and a bit of confusion on the on the on sort of the. Uh, one of the last sort of tackles and Inu kind of sliced wide. Uh, but then that gave opportunity for Warrington to sort of sort of zigzag up the field uh, and George Williams, their sort of super standoff, uh, new signing for them from about, I don't know, 40 yards out, placed it over the uh, over the posts, Paul, and, and obviously broke Salford hearts. But you've got to think of it as, you know, we as Salford have traditionally lost uh, tight, competitive games uh, badly. But this one, we had an opportunity to win one. And due experience of Challenge Cup uh, finalists and grand finalists, you know, we've learned how to play in close games. So you're hoping that 
that's kind of like we've rubbed off and next time we're in that situation, we might be able to to nick one and win one. Because I think that's the important thing about, about Salford and, and the way the club's going. Uh, we've got to compete in, in every game. And if we are to win the odd close one, uh, then that'll bump us up the league. Uh, and then we'll be looking at uh, bigger and better things to come. I spoke to Richard Marshall uh, after the game. And this is what we had to say. All right, Ricky, it's Rob. I am, I am, mate. What an emotional game that was, despite yeah. the fake. Yeah, it was. It was the, the yeah, um, you know, for a team like ourselves who were, you know, sitting near near the bottom of the table to have that effort, that attitude, um, uh, you know, to to go toe to toe with one of the best teams in the comp, I thought was brilliant. Um, yeah, it, it was up and down, wasn't it? See, so they had a drop goal, they didn't have one. We probably off the back of that kickoff got the ball in a real good position. You know, bombed our opportunity. Um, we had 12 players again, uh, lots going on in that game. But I thought, you know, from a from a, a resilience and a toughness stance, I thought we were outstanding. Yeah, you must be proud of your players, obviously. You know, with the injuries and, and the players playing with injuries, you know, put on such a great performance. Must be a bit sort of it. What was the changing room like after, obviously, with that, with that kind of defeat? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quiet. It, far from it. We We were talking about if we had our opportunity again, what would we do? Would we do anything differently towards, you know, that last five minutes of the game? And, and you know, there was some good chat in there. We don't mope, mope around and we don't sulk. Um, but there is, there is. listen, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm dreading uh, training on uh, on Monday. I just don't know what we're going to be able to present uh, on Friday night. Uh, Sam Luckley got a knock. Morgan Escaray, Joel Burgess had to come off at half-time. Chris Inouye probably wasn't 100% going into the game. Uh, neither is Elijah, but he's got through. Um, who else? Danny Addy. Obviously, Danny Addy had a, had a, had a back, back spasm in the first half. Um, so, yeah, look, yeah, it's just the way it is at the minute. Yeah, real intensity in, in that game as well as the extra time as well. Kind of shows how, sort of how far your players can go when you put them under the pump. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think we've improved, haven't we, over the course of the season? We certainly improved... That was, that, you know, from last week um, where we had some really good stuff with the ball. I thought defensively we were just really dogged. Uh, Warrington didn't have a, a full team out, but they had some marquee players in that team with it, Austin, George Williams. Uh, you know, they had some quality within within there. And, and, but I thought we more than matched that. I thought we were. Uh, and if we had just took our opportunity towards the end, um, you know, there, there was a ball still within there. We thought we, we were hard done to on that, but Listen, let's talk about the positives and what what, what an outstanding uh, effort from our guys. Yeah, St. Ellen's next week, final game of the season. Opportunity to, to put on another performance like that and hopefully win in front of the AJ Bell faithful. That would be lovely. It'd be nice to send our supporters off who I thought were excellent today. We, we, we weren't high in numbers, but we were high in uh, the, the vocal and the volume. They were brilliant. They got right behind us. And, um. But yeah, I think we probably did warrant a favour uh, in terms of the game that they they wanted to probably go into the playoff finals with. Uh, we certainly give them that and uh, and a little bit more besides as well. So that was Richard Marshall uh, after the game, Paul. And he talked about, you know, it was positives and negatives to come out of the game, uh, but it was an emotional one. It was an emotional one because they didn't deserve to lose, Rob, for me. They put so much into the game and played really, really well. I don't think Wellington really created that much in the game. Um, I thought we were the better side and we deserved to win. So, so yeah, disappointing. 
I thought the the extra time when we, you know, great kick from Inu. The ball bounced there, and you could see it was going to go out. So that that was a golden ticket to win the game for me. Um, and we were like a load of chefs in a kitchen, all getting in each other's way. <laughs> really, that that someone it needed somebody to say, "I'm dropping this goal." Sit back in the pocket, like George Williams did, and drop the goal. We sort of tried, and we didn't really know. I think we panicked. I don't think we expected to get the ball back there and we panicked and it just needed that little bit more composure there. So Richard Marshall will be disappointed in that. We won't be disappointed with the effort. I think I think the effort of his players was tremendous. What disappointed me a little bit was the fact that we, we played that well in that game. If we'd have played that well sort of in the Wigan game away, the league game away from home, we would have won those games. So that's it. That's the disappointing thing for me. We've, we've been inconsistent this season and not played that well in other games. So that's why we're going to finish second bottom. I mean, the tail is harsh as it sounds. So so Richard really needs to get that consistency for next season. You know, players could be moving on. Players could be coming in. Um, we need to get the best out of the players next season. It's going to be a tough start to the year next year. And, you know, you know, Richard's going to be under the spotlight. You know, it's going to be his team and, and what have you. But I'm sure he's up for the challenge. I think he's... He's a great guy, really great attitude. And, um, you know, we both spoke to him this season, haven't we? And, and we believe in his processes. And I think he can get things right at Salford. And I think we can have a really good year in 2022. The signs are there. The signs of the bright sparks are there. They really are. And I, it was funny because on on uh, on Saturday, it was behind the sticks and looking at the crowd, looking at the faces with minutes to go there. You'd have thought we had a chance to get into the grand final. We had nothing to play for, but the passion and the hope in everybody's faces, it was like, you know, they were desperate for the points. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's an awful lot to be positive about going forward to next season. Yeah, we've got 30 seconds to go. Congratulations for our other local sides. Swinton Lions, they uh, won away at Sheffield, uh, 34 points to 28. Uh, we got 30 seconds, Paul. You know, it's been great that both uh, our sides have been competing uh, in the league. Yeah, they've had a tough season, Swint. They really have, haven't they? And they obviously be going down to the, the League One next season. They'll be relegated. But they've, they've shown an awful lot of pride in the last couple of weeks. Got a couple of victories. And they've got to take that into next season now and build on it. And I'm sure they'll be uh, promotion favourites next year. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We'll be talking all about on the Sports Zone. Big thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat.